quick caution to our listeners. This week's episode of Please Stop involves the mention of sensitive and triggering topics such as rape, abortion, incest, suicide, homophobia and family abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Please Stop, a holistic critique of Christian pop culture through humour, honesty and thought-provoking discussion. Here with me are my besties. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so happy. We are Anna, Beck and Letitia. Hi. Tonight we will be discussing health. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. We all watched a documentary called Hell House, and that is our launching pad. So the documentary Hell House uh, was made in 2001 by filmmaker George Ratliff, um, where he explores the bizarre phenomenon of Halloween hell houses, evangelical fright fests that use grisly skits to demonstrate the consequences of homosexuality, abortion, drug use, and other condemned behaviors. This documentary chronicles the full performance season at the original Hell House in Texas, in Dallas, which boasts an annual audience of more than 10,000 people and investigates whether its organizers go too far in their attempt to save souls. It was actually released in 2002, my bad. So it's kind of like a haunted house, but churches run them for, say, youth to walk through or the general public to go through. And instead of being like ghosts that are just spooking people, they have you walk through and uh, watch scenes, um, very realistic scenes of things that they have determined are going to send you to hell. It's a phenomenon that's kind of spread across America, as I understand it. And they, um, yeah, seem to really go for shock factor. Surprise, surprise. And they um the i guess end goal is that they will convert all these people um or essentially scare them into um converting to christianity and believing in god So I'm going to read you guys some names of characters, fictional characters, and you're going to tell me if they would end up in heaven or in hell. Oh, okay. Okay. This one in particular is for you, Letitia. Mm-hmm. Cinderella. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> why do you – I don't understand why I'm always getting picked on. <laughs> heaven or hell? Well, she's a treasure and a delight, so clearly heaven. (laughs) The animals love her. (laughs) What about you, Beck? What do you reckon? Heaven or hell? Her opinion doesn't matter. (laughs) Heaven, because she did a lot of hard work. (laughs) She worked out her salvation. Oh. Oh. Isn't it like yeah, faith no. not works or something? All right, James. <laughs> Crank it up a notch. Iron Man slash oh. Tony Stark. Oh, okay. Heaven or hell? Bit of a playboy. Saved the world. 
No. I mean, technically, he is the savior of the entire world. Like you said. Isn't that Jesus? Yeah. Heaven. Because he had a brilliant character arc. I'm sorry, I didn't realize <laughs> Heaven was run by um, playwrights and people who appreciate good plots and character you development. You didn't realize Heaven wasn't run by playwrights and fictional people? <laughs> oh, you, what you're saying is he had he was a terrible person, but he went from being playboy to more philanthropist, right? Well, but so- even then he wasn't. Okay, so um, to people who don't know me, I was very much not a Tony Stark fan. But even, okay, you say that he was a terrible person because of he was a playboy and all that. But even then, that came from his own, like, issues with being raised by a terrible person. Howard Stark was awful. And it fed into all this other stuff. Was he a billionaire? Yeah. So by default, he doesn't get into heaven, am I right? (laughs) Well, no, but he used his um, money for the good of things. And toys. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think that billionaires should exist, but we're talking about fictional universes here. Also the Bible. Oh, yeah, that. Another fictional. So within that same universe, Thanos. This is a tough one. He wiped out half of civilization, but he did so for the good of all mankind, Why right? Why didn't he just multiply resources? It's a lot harder to do than snapping your fingers. Also, he did a lot for nature by wiping out half of all civilization. Yeah, so that's right. You know, environmentalist Thanos maybe getting into heaven. I mean, net good, net bad. People are bad. Yeah. Does it even out? Also, do you feel personally attacked? What? <laughs> I have no emotional investment in Marvel anymore after what they did to Captain America and Bucky in the last film. So, no, <laughs> I am not feeling personally attacked. Yeah, you got no emotions at all. I have no emotions whatsoever. And I, I I have let go of the fact that Captain America was completely out of character in the last film. But what would I know? Sorry, <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> uh, I reckon I reckon Thanos is in hell because Because he didn't believe in Jesus Christ? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were literal gods like Thor and stuff, so does Jesus exist in this universe? Oh, it's a great question. I mean, just because that is the current universe's Christian ideology about how you get to heaven or hell doesn't mean that it's the ideology of how you get to heaven or hell in the Marvel universe. Mm. So Mm. in a general sense. Oh, I will tell you who is going to hell in that universe, Odin, worst father of the freaking universe. (laughs) Just wanted to say that. Fair enough. Yeah. Rory Gilmore. Hell. Ooh. Why? Why did Rory go to hell? She's mean. But she was a good student. She fat shamed the ballerina. She's super entitled. She had everything given to her and still she was really mean to her mum. When her mum was like, oh, no, you went to jail for crashing a boat that wasn't yours. And she left her mum to go live with her grandparents because she was like, oh, mum, you're a bitch. And, like, that's just really entitled. And she's very spoiled. Absolutely, she is spoiled. Mm -hmm. She also, like, 
slept with a married man. Twice! If you look at the, um, the a year in the life. Yep. Mm, Logan. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not married, but he is engaged. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Yep. She She made poor choices. And if we're just going simply on good choices and bad choices. Yeah. I mean, okay, so you read Moby Dick five times. But like, <laughs> you know. Was that a good choice? <laughs> Spermaceti. If you've seen the show, you'll get it. I've never seen an episode of Gilmore Girls, so I have no idea. Well, let's be superficial. Let's be superficial. <laughs> superficial. Based on face value, heaven or hell? Oh, hell. Uh, Beck is showing you a picture of Rory. I know who Rory Gilmore is. Look at that smug face. Yeah. Yeah, okay, she's in hell. Good to know. You heard it first here. Rory Gilmore is in hell. Rachel from Glee. Oh, she's in hell. She's a narcissist. I love Rachel. <laughs> no, in that she never apologizes. Like, she knows she is what she is and she goes for it. And I, I think that's great. But she's sold her soul. Like, she's gone and she knows it too, so... Don't feel like I know enough to weigh in here, but from what I've seen from the first season of Glee, because that's as far as I went, she oh, seems kind of mean. as far as you need to go, really. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hell. Well, yeah, but again, if she's a narcissist and that's why she deserves to go to hell, don't we all? Yeah, I mean, we're probably all already in hell. It's a Game of Thrones character, and I've never watched Game of Thrones. Danny? Oh, Daenerys. Don't even start me on Daenerys. Okay. Oh... Heaven or hell? She's in hell, but but I'm very pained to say that. I'm very pained to say that. But uh, she's also impervious to flames, as she's, so she's the mother fine. of dragons. So she's so fine. She's probably so she's fine. fine. She probably runs hell. Yeah. Yeah. You know? She's just chilling like a villain. Yeah. Exactly. In hell. Yeah. Just chilling, flaming like a daemon. Ah. Marge Simpson, heaven or hell? <laughs> Holy Schwebs. Holy Schwebs? <laughs> Heaven! Oh. Looking after that family oh, and keeping yeah. her mentality. Like, no, 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 no. She's in hell because The Simpsons, the show, is a actual hell reality. She's, a, oh. she's on a prison planet. Yeah, possible. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. But she goes to church. Killed America. Yeah, but that would be hell. Let's she drags her family to church. She's trying to save them. They're in purgatory. And she's like, we still have a chance. She has hair that reaches to heaven. That's the real stairway to heaven. Marge's hair. She was apparently meant to have rabbit ears inside her blue hair. <laughs> what? They created Matt Groening. Are you serious? I'm not even kidding. She was meant to be a rabbit. <laughs> she was meant to be a rabbit. Okay. Yeah. Why? I'll, Bojack. I, I'll Google it. In the, a similar vein, Ned Flanders. Ah, oh. heaven or hell? Hi, diddly ho, neighbors. <laughs> I think he's in heaven. I reckon he's in heaven because yeah, he was annoying, but he had a good heart. Yeah, so and do those ones have to go to heaven. I would rather the hang out with ones. Ned than Homer any day. This is true. I mean, I want to be cool and all, but and be like, "Fuck you, Christians." But Ned Flanders would be nice and wholesome to hang out with. Also, in that episode where he auditions to be in that play with Marge, he, he takes his shirt off and he is. No, I'm still disturbed by that scene. Well, I can't help that, okay? You don't seem to be disturbed by the fact that Marge has rabbit ears. 
under her cone-shaped hair. Well, it's not cone, but but you're not okay with Ned Flanders being hot. You're we okay need to put him? a picture of hot Ned Flanders on our Instagram page. Yes, no, please. We don't. Can I have a copy? Take <laughs> I have a boyfriend. Do you call him Ned sometimes? <laughs> I mean, it's what is said in the heat of the moment cannot be judged. I'm a right tish. Let's move oh, on to Yoda. That's interesting. Well, I'm not well versed in Star Wars lore, so I don't really know. Yeah, I am, and yeah, I everybody think so. knows Yoda. No, no, I know Yoda, but I don't. I can't really make a judgment on him on his character. Isn't he just like super wholesome and wise? Well, yes, but he's the lead. Isn't he the leader of like the Jedi no, thing? Stop! And stop! They're the corrupt. Like, come on, okay. Don't talk about what you don't know. Well, you brought it up. Yoda's in heaven because he's a nice guy. I mean, he put up with whiny Luke Skywalker for so long. He's got a vested interest in maintaining balance in the Force, and he does everything he can to help. Yoda is cool, all right? And he's cheeky. He hits people with his cane when he's upset at them. He's really good at fighting. He, like, zips around, and then he's like, oh, but I'm old, and I need my cane. I love me some baby Yoda memes. Yes. Oh, baby Yoda. I don't know anything about that, but the memes are cute. It's what? Are the chicken nuggies? Chicken is nuggies. that canon to the show, or is that just a meme? Oh, no, I think it's just a meme. Oh, okay. I think people just like cutify Yoda, and everybody likes chicken nuggets. Do you realize right? we're going to get some fanboy who's like, "Well, actually, it's not called Baby Yoda." No, it's just the litification of the Star Wars canon. Moving on from our chicken nuggies, you have friends. <laughs> Dumbledore. Oh, he's in hell. Yeah. Oh, he's so in hell. But he's running the place. He's running the place, yeah. But wasn't he, like, all good? And- no, 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 no. He ditched Harry off at an abusive situation. And, okay, okay, he knew Sirius was innocent. But, <laughs> but the reason why he didn't get Sirius out of Azkaban was because if Sirius had raised Harry, Harry would not have needed Dumbledore, and Dumbledore manipulated all of it. Okay, this is all very much my theory, not canon. Harry is so much more pliable because of the way he was raised. Yeah. With abuse, trauma, neglect, all of that. He was looking for a father figure. Briefly, he had Hagrid, and then Dumbledore came along. Of course, he was going to do anything Dumbledore said, and he idolized him and worshipped him. 100% Dumbledore was pulling the strings the entire time. Oh, I'm sorry he died from wizard cancer, but still, he's in the bad place. Like, I, I get why Dumbledore did everything because he was the smartest one and so could pull the strings and had everything on the chessboard. And I think he's a brilliant character, but he's in hell. After I count down three rounds in hell, I'll be in good company. Um, I I went in thinking that I knew how I would respond. I believed I would respond thinking, well, this is ridiculous because I knew it was done by conservative evangelicals and I'm used to them being ridiculous. So I went in thinking, well, it would be funny to watch. Not funny as in humorous, but I can't believe this is a thing. Um, I didn't expect to be really overwhelmed by it the the scenes were quite traumatic i think and i know that that's the kind of point that the the church is trying to to do 
but it's not that isn't how people can make rational decisions and I know that salvation isn't meant to be rational it's meant to be a heart thing but I think it it does more damage than what they're trying to do even even if you are in that mindset of evangelical even then I still think it is too awful again like I knew also that they exist um the hell houses and I know that the one started by this church kind of popularized it and it's become quite a movement and they're all over the US at least I don't know if they have them in other countries I certainly don't think they have them in Australia maybe they do but the idea of scaring people into becoming Christians I mean it's pretty effective yeah. I know people who were scared by that verse in Revelation about um, where Jesus says to one of the churches that because you are neither hot nor cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. And it's literally scared them into becoming Christian. Um, and this fear of hell, if you, if you take away that fear, I wonder what's what there is after that. Um, but this documentary in particular and the um, – it was bizarre because of how enthusiastic these kids were about getting certain roles in the actual house. For example, there were girls going, oh, I want to be the girl that gets raped in a nightclub. Um, or, oh, I want to be the suicide girl, which, like, from a, a third-party view, that's kind of um, cr crazy. I think there's such a lack of a connection between the real world and evangelical world that they they have this idea of what the real world is like and that's what they portray in these hell houses that it's sinful and it just shows a complete lack of understanding of what's on the outside there was a moment where one of these two characters were talk two characters two people <laughs> were talking in this i guess he was a youth pastor was um telling this girl what to type down as she was writing a script for um the event for the hell house and he was trying to read out oh magic the gathering and she was like magic the gathering of magic and he goes no it's it's magic the gathering and she just couldn't understand the simple game that he was trying to tell her to write down and it just it's such a stupid thing but it just kind of signified to me just how out of touch the evangelical world is with the real world and yeah if you don't have a context for the message that you're giving how, if you don't understand your audience, how can you communicate with them effectively? It was ridiculous and awful, and I don't think you should scare anyone into doing anything. You know what was funny is that uh, the young guy um, who w was ended up being the DJ for the, the rave or whatever, and he was talking about his own experiences at the supposed raves that he'd been to, and um, how he was all like, Oh yeah, and they they carry out like dozens of bodies, and then he corrected himself and was like, "Oh no, I'm exaggerating, but maybe like eight or nine, and you know, people would be doing this and that." And and I just had the feeling that you haven't even been to a rave, dude. It's like they can't be of the world, and yet there is still something so enticing about the world. Like the girls who were excited about 
went to be the whatever victim at the rave, and they were all excited about it. It is just is it was is it cognitive dissonance? It's just it, it 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 was bizarre. I also found something else that was really interesting is whenever the people would audition for the roles, and they would get into it. I mean, like they would fully, really get emotional and um, yeah, for sure, they were very yeah. And you can tell, oh, there's a lot of repression there that you're <laughs> you're allowed to let out into this type of thing. So they auditioned for the roles that they got to play and there were things like um, an incest scene and an abortion scene and a suicide scene and, yeah, the rave scene and domestic violence scene. There were all these, all these things and they would audition to be part of these scenes. Um, and like you said, Tish, they were so in it, like they just threw them their whole self into these roles and would the emotion, like I just yeah. it didn't make sense to me that there was such the such a um it was a competition to have these roles. Yes. It was like you said, it was really bizarre. There was also there was a line that one of them said when they were um when they choose the actors it's not just based on their talent it's also based on their faithfulness um which just adds a whole nother layer of bizarre you know there's that chick is a way better actress so you know she'd be great for the scene but she's never on time to church so we're gonna give it to the other girl yeah yeah um, there was a, it followed the story of a, um, the man who was in charge of it or one of them. So he was a single father, um, and was looking after his children and his wife had left him by having an, an affair with someone she met online and he seemed very, not chill, but going with the motions sort of thing but then one of the scenes in the hell house was a man who finds out his wife was having an affair with someone on the internet and did he write that or but was it coincidental no I, idea i don't know but it it was just i also find it interesting um that the situations that were being portrayed where the people would make the bad decisions and then go to hell, they were all victims in their own right. The characters were victims in their own right. So yeah. the girl who was assaulted at the rave who then suicided, well, she was to blame for making the wrong decisions to get there. And the young boy in the classroom who shot himself who had been bullied, well, he still, again, made the wrong decisions. And so there's a disconnection between Christ's understanding and compassion and, well, you're going to hell. There was a lot of victim-blaming yeah. in it. Oh, at the, it opens with um, a statement by the pastor of the church or maybe the youth pastor of the church saying that if if they don't do this, if they don't run the hell house, the responsibility is on his shoulders if he so people who don't believe in jesus and go to hell 
yes, it's partially their fault, but because I'm a watchman and I know the truth, if I don't tell them the danger of hell, then their blood is on my hands, which is ridiculous, (laughs) first of all. But also, what a heavy burden to carry to feel that that weight of somebody else's eternal consequence is on your shoulders and it's your responsibility. And And way to make it all about you. And where does that end, right? Yeah, way to make it all about you. And, like, I'm God's personal messenger uh, and I've got this job to do. And, uh, yeah, if I don't do it, oh, they may never hear about God and they may never know just how bad hell is. And then what is he also saying about all the other Christians who are out there and not running hell houses? He's basically saying that they're condemning all of their surrounding people who don't believe to hell too. And, I don't know, it just seemed a little arrogant. And also, yeah, like the the um, the weight of that on, on some of the children, if they believe the same thing, which at the end, there's an altar call sort of thing. So when you finish with the hell house, you end up in this. And, and by this stage, you've seen school shooting, you've seen suicide, you've seen incest, rape at a nightclub, um, you've seen somebody go through an abortion in vivid, brutal detail. You've seen, um, a gay man die from AIDS and not accept Jesus at the last minute, whereas compared to the girl who was going through an abortion did accept Jesus at the last minute. We've seen a whole bunch of horrific acts happen. And then at the very end, they show um, the ones who didn't accept Jesus in hell being tortured and saying things like, oh, why did I make that decision? Why didn't I turn to Jesus? I'm in so much pain. I'm feeling the burning. Like, what the heck? (laughs) And also showing the ones who did receive Jesus as they're going to heaven and um, and it's nice and safe and Jesus loves you. And then after that, they empty all these kids into this room and lead them in there. And then a pastor of the church tells them basically the gospel briefly and scares them and says, look, this is what awaits you, eternal fire, if you don't accept Jesus. Now, if anyone wants to make a commitment to Jesus, walk through this door there are chaplains there who will pray with you, and uh, if you don't decide to go through it, just know that this is what your future will hold. <laughs> and they had five seconds to choose. Yeah. Which was really weird. In it front was... of all their peers. Yep, yep. They had five seconds to decide whether or not to walk through those doors. And he even said, because the next group is coming, it's like the the individuals don't really matter. It's about... They've done their job. You can decide or you can't decide, but you don't really matter. Yeah. It's numbers of souls saved, right? So um, so they sold the tickets for $7 a ticket, and they said that they, they got about 13,000 people through each year. So they would have made $81,000 um, on those, you know, ten to 13,000 people. I based it on thirteen. Um, I also did another, um, so over seven years, um, if we take that number down to like 75,000 just to even it out because, you know, they didn't necessarily get 13,000 every year, over seven years they would have made $525,000 on these hell houses. And sure, I'm sure there was cost involved because they built sets and had props and, and all of that stuff. I would say the labor was all voluntary. Voluntary. Because it's a church. Yeah. <laughs> a- 
and all the um all the actors would have been voluntary but that's a lot of money to make from exploiting people's fear there was a particular scene where there was um a guy i assume a pastor or a chaplain or someone was actually debating with these kids that had gone through the hell house and at the end they were saying well i've been to a rave so am i going to hell and you know that that girl at that rave none of it was her fault so she's going to hell because she committed suicide is that what you're telling me i have friends that are same-sex attracted and therefore you know are they going to hell like what's what's the deal and Everything he said just made it all sound so shallow and pointless. Yeah. Um, and I think basically his his whole concept was it's an ugly, evil world. That's it. That's the end. If you're talking about the salvation of young people, this isn't how to go about having real salvation and traumatizing people. I, I very much go off in a most unchristian way. <laughs> Many explicit... Because, let's be real here, this isn't about saving souls. This is about scaring people, and that is not the gospel. That's not real faith you're seeking for these children either. It's fear. Somebody was thinking of running a hell house. I'd say, first of all, scrap that idea and do like a haunted tour, maybe something fun, and not something that makes kids question their eternity in based on the worst thing possible rather than it being a positive based choice it's going to be a negative based choice which those things never stick it's like working out you don't want to go oh i'm going to work out because i don't want to get fat no like you want to work out because you want to feel strong there's like proven research done that if what motivates you is more positive than it just it's more likely to succeed it's that whole like love versus fear, right? Do you want to be motivated by love or do you want to be motivated by fear? And do you want your 13 year old kid who goes to youth group every now and then and ends up at a hell house, um, to be motivated into, say you believe this whole Jesus thing and you want your kid to believe it too and you want to send them to one of these things. Do you want them to choose that way because they're scared of something or do you want them to choose it because they wholeheartedly want to jump on board because they love something? I don't know. I'd probably ask them that and ask them what they think is best and uh, and maybe encourage them to do a psychology course and <laughs> also <laughs> not do it. Yeah, and also what is their definition of what hell is? What's it based on? What is their theology if this is what they think is the best way to win souls to Christ? And also, I guess, the most important question, what would Jesus do? A lady <laughs> to the promised land Eternally Take it to the other side to see the truth. The path for you is decided. Heaven can wait. Heaven can wait. Heaven can wait. Heaven can wait. Um, hell was a fiery place of damnation. I remember um, my parents had a Bible study going on at our house, and um, I was allowed to come in to watch a a movie when I was like seven or eight and it was a man who had been stung by a stingray or a jellyfish or something and he'd actually died, um, medically died and he had, his experience was that he had gone to hell 
and it was a terrifying place and then he cried out to God I think and then was able to be taken from hell back to being alive and he was on the operating theatre table and then decided that he was going to um, give his life to God and, and then he went around telling the story as a sort of a, a testimony thing. And you can go into the whole science of your brain shutting down and, and like um, hallucinations or whatever. But at the time that really, really freaked me out. And I, I was a terrified little kid of a lot of things and uh this wasn't christian but i used to watch like unsolved mysteries and that that had a lot of like stuff that involved mysteries like demons and angels and all that kind of stuff and so i was really into all of that so i was i was terrified because i i thought i was i was a little thinker and i overthought a lot of stuff and so i really did think heaven and hell were physical places and then Growing up as a teenager, a lot of my friends were non-Christians and I was really terrified for them and I would invite them to youth group. The big church that I went to for a while used to do it um, at the movies type series where they would pick a movie and then talk about the theology you could get from these popular movies and it was a real big thing to bring your friends to. But then it, it was sort of like, this is going to sound bad, but it was sort of like, well, I had done my part in bringing them to church for one Sunday, so my responsibility was done, which is really awful. But at the same time, I felt such a guilt and a burden to bring them to church that I think it was like a psychological way of coping. Like, well, you've done all that you can. Now yeah. it's up to them and God. Yeah, so I, was, I grew up terrified of hell. Not really from anyone's specifically telling me. I think it was because I just overthought things. And there was one thing I went to. It was a youth group thing. We went to the big church. And it was, I think it was after Columbine. And that young Christian girl had been killed, Rachel. Mm -hmm. um, and they did a whole media thing on she had died for her faith and that she had gone to heaven and that they were using her death as a springboard for our youth to then save ourselves from going to hell too, I guess. And in a way, that's sort of what the hell houses do, torment kids into making decisions. Yeah, so hell, hell was very real for me. I grew up with an understanding drilled into me that hell was a real place as well I mean my parents were missionaries so their whole purpose for going overseas was to save people from going to hell from eternal damnation which is supposed to be a kindness I guess but I grew up thinking that it was a real place and that my friends were all going to go there I don't know where this came from I know in in Revelation it talks about um all of your deeds will be judged right and then according yeah. to your deeds you are judged and I don't know what happens next, but I had this idea that there'd be a big TV screen in on the way to heaven, not necessarily in heaven, and all of the bad things I had ever done would be played on that screen, and everybody in the world could see it, including Jesus yep. and God and everybody, and I would have to own up to all of these things. And it was like this debt that I was racking up 
kind of anytime I did something bad, I'd remember it and be like, oh man, my grandma's going to see that. Like, mm-hmm. oh man, everyone's going to know that I did this. And it's kind of like when you put off going to the dentist for a really long time and you know that one day you're going to have to go and he'll be like, oh, you have so many cavities and it will suck. Um, and yeah, I just, it was in the back of my mind every time I did something bad that great, another thing that I'm going to be embarrassed about and not just that, but like it might be held against me and I won't be able to go to heaven. I just, yeah, it was really scary and it took a long time for me to undo that weird thought that that's what's going to happen to me after I die. And yeah, that's, hell was just a real thing growing up. A lot of the same, like a fire, flames burning, um, all the demons will be there. So also growing up in India, it's a very spiritual country where they kind of take it for granted that there are spirits and there are gods and there is another world thinly veiled by the physical world. And they have so many religious festivals all year round and they have um, big statues that they build out of paper mache and they paint in bright colors of gods and also of the demons and also of like some of their gods are really scary too or scary looking, I guess like um, the goddess of death. Um, anyways, so in my brain, I was like, well, obviously they are real. They're just demons um, and they're all going to be in hell. So I guess if I go to hell, I'm going to have to go face to face with Kalima and, um, or Durga and it's going to suck. Really t- almost tangible to me growing up. And it did a good job of scaring me into constantly going back to Jesus and being like, I'm so sorry. Please don't show that to my mom when we get to heaven because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want that scene. But okay, I know you have to do it. Really bizarre, hey? Yeah. And very, very frightening. I resonate with that a lot, like the whole everybody's going to see what you've done. Um, at, at the end of things, there'll be this big, like, presentation and the whole world will see. And I don't know if that was something that was, like, said in passing or taught me at school or what whatever it might have been but yeah that the whole idea that it would be like a a movie played of your life all the bad things were highlighted in some way shape or form and you were then judged for them and there was some kind of tally at the end for you know um i remember um i lied um a couple of times when i was little and um, I genuinely thought I was going to hell. I used to, for years and years and years, I used to pray um, every night before going to sleep, um, confess my sin because I genuinely thought that lying was going to send me to hell. And, yeah, I guess my image of hell was flames and torture and scary darkness. And I remember being very, very scared of the dark as a kid. So, you know, whether there was a link there or not, yeah. probably just because it was my fear, I assumed that that's what hell would be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I also had this idea that hell was all your worst fears. So the fact that you were scared of the dark and you were yep. like, well, obviously hell is going to be, you know, this. And, yeah, I was the same way I felt like darkness um people shaming me that was another big thing like um i in various forms just figured it would be a lot of that we make it very personal don't we um even though we and i was afraid of being burned as well like when i was a kid i um like i jumped on my mom when she was in the kitchen 
um, when I was about four years old and she had a saucepan of boiled milk in her hand and it like spilled all over me and all down my arm. And I remember my oh. skin under my arm under the tap of water running it and the skin was just peeling off. And so in a lot of my childhood photos from that time, I've got this big bandage all down my arm and I was always scared of burns after that. And Absolutely. the idea that I'm going to burn in hell when you know what that feels like is like terrifying and you will do anything wow. to avoid it. So, and yeah, fear is a good motivator in that sense, but it's not for the right reasons. Um, yeah, that that's right. Mm. And it does sound like for all of us, it was, it was fear. And mm. that's exactly what this hell house yeah. thing comes back to is that fear. It's, mm. um, like you say, is that really the best motivator for anything? No, I don't. I mean, I don't, I'm not scared of going to hell anymore, so it didn't last. So, (laughs) as a case study, it didn't work here. Well, it all kind of really began around the Middle Ages. So back then, almost everyone believed strictly in the church doctrine, and that included that they believed that they were either going to heaven or to hell. The church used this to their advantage. They, they found ways to charge people at every turn. You've got your tithes that you would give to the church, but also you would have tithes to be baptized. So back in the Middle Ages, if your child died, if your child was ill, the, the Big thing was you needed to get them baptized, otherwise they would go to hell. And the church really did profit off that. Because if you weren't baptized, you couldn't be buried on the church land, which then meant you couldn't pass through the gates of heaven. So the uh, a huge instance of, of the medieval church profiteering um, off this was the sale of indulgences, which were papers which declared absolution from sins. Um, even those yet not committed, the very wealthy would be able to purchase this forgiveness by donating heaps to the church, which then had a huge classist thing between the nobles and the serfs sort of thing. For all the wealth that the church had, they paid no taxes, which gave them economic power. Sounds which, familiar. Yeah, well, it which even surpassed some the wealth of some monarchs. So bishops and clergy owed their allegiance not to their king but to the Pope in Rome, which led to more than a few conflicts over the years. I mean, even kings and queens were subject to papal authority. Those who chose not to risked having the church church's wrath against them, which the church was all-powerful type thing. A bit of boring history, but for um for example, so the Pope took sides in the Norman invasion, um, excommunicating English King Harold for supposedly going back on a holy pledge with, to support William of Normandy's claim to the throne. So it was all very Game of Thrones type thing. <laughs> uh, and then you had the challenges to the, the Roman church. So because of the size and the wealth and the power of the church led to increasingly great corruption in the Middle Ages, um, and as a response to this, we had a very little-known German priest called Martin Luther and his thesis, which he nailed to the door. But even then, they used hell to profit too. So 
the entire thing, religion is about controlling the masses. I mean, you, you see that now, especially now, power dynamics and power structures and governments. Um, with what's going on in the world right now, with protests, things like Black Lives Matter, the church can sometimes use that, but that isn't godly, and if you do that, then you're going to hell. Like It's all very much very tiresome, but yeah. it's going to go on. Uh, the church even weaponizes it. Um, well, no, the government weaponizes it, like with Donald Trump going outside the Episcopalian church across from the White House and holding up a Bible. And, of course, then the far right follow that and yeah. and use fear as a tactic. Like, you have to vote the far right. Otherwise, if you're a Democrat, then you aren't a Christian and you will go to hell. Like, it's just, it's, it's just really tiresome. So my whole thing is critical thinking. Well, it should be. It isn't always. But I'm a big <laughs> fan of it. Another reason why people are afraid of hell is because they don't know what the Bible says about hell. They've kind of got a vague idea and then they have this notion that is pushed by the church. Um, to that, that, yeah, it's not well thought out or researched or understood. And I'm by no means a scholar in this, but I do know that the word used for hell in the Old Testament versus the word used by Jesus when he was speaking versus what is in Revelation and what is used in other parts of the Bible. A lot of them are quite different. Some of them refer, <clears throat> as some of you might know, to Gehenna, which was a waste dump where dogs would fight so there would be gnashing of teeth and there were constantly fire pits burning um, because that's where the trash would go. So it was used as a reference to a bad place. So when Jesus would talk about hell, he would use that word to represent that place as in you don't want to go there. Um, and in the Old Testament, a lot of the times hell was used it was to represent Sheol, which in Judaism is literally like a hole in the ground. It's just where you go when you die, not some kind of purgatory, not some kind of punitive place of judgment. It's just where you are after you die. So when King David was crying out, Lord, keep me from the deaths of Sheol, he was not saying, keep me from going to hell where I'm going to burn forever. He was saying, keep me from dying because I want to live long and have your favor and your blessing and have gray hairs like but because the english language doesn't have such a diverse array of explanations for things and then you get propaganda from the church pushing an agenda in order to scare people to stay inside and to listen to whatever they have to say i mean there's a lot of room for error and if people don't know themselves then yeah it's quite easy to control people based on fear so um yeah, I don't know. If you haven't done it already and you want to, maybe look up hell and the Hebrew and the Greek influence and the Greco-Roman influence on Jewish thinking about the afterlife. Yeah, it's quite interesting and it's not necessarily what pop culture will present and it's not necessarily what the hell houses present either. So. I don't believe in hell. Doing my history studies and learning how the church has profited off the, the belief in hell and how it's a, it's a control tactic for the people. And also, I can't believe in an ethical God who would torment people forever and ever and ever and ever and ever.
and ever. I can't, I can't, even without all the theological backing to that, I can't believe that exists with a God that is meant to be righteous and compassionate. And I, I think that we put God in a box when we say things like that, like the, the, how can we define the divine? I think that we as humans think we even have the basic comprehension and I know that I'd probably get a lot of flack from a lot of religious people with a lot of beliefs, but I'm sorry, I'm not the scared 10-year-old anymore. I mean, I can't definitively state anything because I, I don't know. Okay, if humans are made in the image of God and we have this capacity for great love and we can, we don't want to see humanity suffer endlessly, obviously nobody wants that. So how could God, who is the image that we were made in, who also loves but to like the nth degree, how could he also want that? And in the New Testament it states clearly that Christ came so that all may be saved and reconciled to God. And that word all means all, I guess. And the fact that the Bible is so mixed up on its theology of what hell is um, over time and over translation, and it can't even agree itself. I mean, is hell deep down in the middle of the earth because Jesus descended into hell? Is it um, a lake of fire that um, Satan and his devils will be thrown into and do all of the rest of us who don't believe get thrown into it too? Is it, I mean, in the Chronicles of Narnia, in the last book, The Last Battle, um, one of the Kalamines, so one of the non-Christians, um, he gets to go to heaven. And Aslan says to him, oh, even though you worshipped a false god, you thought you were worshipping me. Oh, you thought you were worshipping a false god, but really you were worshipping me this whole time. Um, you're a good person. You get to go to heaven. We can't definitively say who gets to go and who doesn't get to go and what is hell and does it exist. All of that is saying that I believe in uh, the Bible at all. So like putting that aside, if I did, no, I wouldn't believe in a hell. And um, I don't know what happens after we die, but I, I can't believe in endless suffering of humans. Like It's just too harsh. I'm more about restorative judgment and justice and less about punitive justice. Because, again, that's fear and love, right? Love is restoration and rehabilitation and reconciliation. And fear is punishment, like love me or I will hurt you versus love me because I'm awesome and so are you and you love me too. All of our, all of the modern church's beliefs are also shaped from a lot of medieval and middle-aged literature and art that isn't theological. Like when you look at Dante's Inferno and the Nine Circles of Hell, that isn't biblical. It's just a man's way of thinking paradise lost all of that and yet all of our modern supposed tenets of our faith are based off all those renaissance middle-aged art and literature and it's not theological so i grew up thinking black and white and i never really realized that even in the christian faith there are many different beliefs on hell I thought I think that's interesting. I didn't realize that until as an adult. Towards the end of my uh, studies in theology ministry, um, I believed that 
I definitely did not believe that hell was a physical place. I believed that hell was the absence of God um, or the absence of light or the absence of the divine in a person's life or living eternity without God. I still don't believe that hell is a physical place. And I guess I lean towards the concept that we as humans sometimes create our own hell mm. um, in the lives that we lead. So hell isn't necessarily something that happens after we die, but it can be something we experience in life. Um, as far as what I believe happens after we die, I don't know. But there is this concept in uh, Buddhism. Basically, nirvana is the goal. And nirvana simply means the snuffing out of the flame. So the end. I guess I lean towards that at this stage in my journey. That it just ends. And I f feel like that's peaceful and hopeful. Not sad and scary. When I was doing some studies on world religions and I looked into Buddhism, I felt sad for them because I felt like a snuffing out or a, a end was hopeless. It wasn't anything beyond. But now when I think about it, I see how much that increases the value of what we have now rather than placing all our value in what comes next. Uh, like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. Do the thing. If you don't already, check us out on Facebook and Instagram where we post some mediocre memes. Um, and yeah, we look forward to continuing this conversation with you guys. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, please stop. And from Anna, Beck, and Tish, we'd like to say goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Please don't hate me for my Star Wars opinions. And Dumbledore is definitely in hell. Do you want us to leave the room? Because give you some privacy. You I don't. You asked me to do it. This is completely on you guys. I have zero opinion. It's a game of game, game, game of thrones. <laughs> what is it? It's a game, game, game of thrones. It's a game, magic. game, magic. game of thrones. Magic, magic. magic. the magic. gathering of magic, <laughs> the gathering magic. No. How do you spell Ouija board? <laughs>